Okay, guys, welcome back. We've got uh, Joey Gonzalez, the CEO of Barry's Bootcamp, with us, and John, uh, because it's your your arena. But you guys are coming up on 25 years, Yeah, correct? Yep. It's a quarter of a century. That's insane. Yeah. And how so, long have you been associated with Barry's? I've been there about 20 years, so I came very early on. 20 years, is that counting your time as a client or the time uh, you came on as an instructor? Yeah, I've been, my first class was about 20 years ago. And then you went from the bottom to the top. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, it took some time, but uh, it was definitely an adventure. Passion? Yeah, 100%. I mean, dude, you're, you're, you're physically, you, you, you show or <laughs> you actually exemplify what you sell, which, which I love. It's not like, we were talking about this this weekend. I know it was a long weekend. Uh, how like golds, like you're just, they're like, hey, you, you get one free session with your trainer. And you look at the trainer and you're like, yeah. This trainer needs a trainer. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, do you need me to train them? What's the origin story on Barry's Bootcamp? Like, uh, you know, growing up in LA, I'd, I'd always heard the name, and I, th I think I even, you guys at one point had a billboard. I used to remember maybe on the 405. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. So like, what's the origin story for it? So there is, a, there is a man named Barry, and I call him the mad scientist, and it's actually a great story. He was teaching group fitness at Gold's Gym, uh, which is actually where I started in sales. And he was in, you know, one of those small rooms with the, like, fake the faux hardwood floors and the neoprene, neoprene like little weights and the benches. And he just got so sick of that format that he split the class in half. He sent a bunch of people out to treadmills. The other people grabbed like big dumbbells and brought them back to that space. And he ran back and forth, just kind of screaming the speeds to the treaders and the, uh, you know, workouts to everybody on the floor with the weights. And he eventually got fired because it was obviously quite disruptive. Um, and two of his clients invested in him and opened the very first Barry's Bootcamp, which was on La Cienega. But I always think about, you know, Gold's Gym and what a missed opportunity. Let that walk right out the door, you know? Well, yeah, I was <laughs> going to say that's not, that's not very Gold's-centric, but now they have, you know, well, 24-hour fitness yeah. Gold's. Yeah. They've all now brought in some sort of cross-functional. Well, that's actually almost Glassman's from CrossFit's exact origin story. Oh, really? He was training at a, at a Gold's Gym. And started doing this like mixed modal stuff and they fired him and clients were like, Hey, like, where are we going to train? We'll rent the place for you. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're telling this origin story, I'm like, Oh my God, that's like the exact CrossFit origin story. It's an important, I think, lesson for organizations to embrace innovation and, you know, keep your eyes open and see what people are doing. And uh, things I was just going to say that almost like a cautionary tale. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've always heard the, the joke about where it was the, uh, the digital camera invented Kodak, but the <laughs> leadership scoffed. And of oh. course, those engineers brought the uh, the tech elsewhere. Who uh, people who commercialized it, and hence, you know, killed them. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was like uh, what was in it? Like Blockbuster was uh, offered to buy Netflix, yeah. and they're like, "Nah, we're good. Nobody's gonna want to do with that. We want brick and mortar, like cassette tapes." Do, do you know? <laughs> did you know the statistic on when Blockbuster was at its height? How many stores were being stood up in terms of time? 17 seconds. Wow. Isn't that odd? Yeah. That was this, so that was in the uh, the documentary, which is a great documentary if you catch it. But Joey, so you, you, uh, you've hit LA, you're now Miami, but you actually came from Chicago, man. It yeah. seems like you've hit all the regions. And <laughs> is Miami it? Uh, I think so. It's definitely it for now. I, I move a lot, obviously. Um, and uh, my parents live there and I'm half Cuban. My dad's from Cuba, so I have a lot of family there. So it's a great place, I think, to raise our kids. So we're really enjoying it. Is it is your headquarters out of there, or is it yeah. just okay? I moved headquarters during COVID, 
uh, I, I took the kids and my husband and we went to Miami and stayed in my parents' building just for 30 days-ish. Uh, and in those 30 days, you're familiar with the mayor. Yeah. Sli- slid right into my DMs, invited yes. me to City Hall, laid out a whole incentive plan for me to relocate HQ, which was pretty compelling at the time because no one was helping us at all. Fitness wow. really was... I, one, I really like this guy. He's innovative. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's, he's broken a lot of uh, ceilings. So he hears that you're in Miami. Yeah. He sends you a Instagram message? He did. Yeah. He's genius. And so given the, the benefits of Florida, understand for the, the business benefits, it just made sense. to. You're talking to two Californians the, here. so Yeah, yeah the, the business benefits... But also my family ties. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember this was a time where like my children had not been in school for almost a year. And I was able to get them into a fantastic school, Miami Country Day, within like a month or so. And so my daughter that year turned five. And I asked her, what was your favorite thing about being four? I do that every year. And I remember her eyes welled up. And she said, when I used to get to go to school, mm. I was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> So mm. we did almost the same thing. We were here and we put our kids in a private school because they weren't going to close down. Mm. And um, so my kids never really, I think it was maybe like 30 days they had a break, but for the wow. most part they went to school. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, that was like no regrets because some of the other kids like didn't go back until like after Thanksgiving. They'd been out of school for like months. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like as much as I love the homeschooling idea, like no, 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 that's a hard one for me like, too. So you start Barry's, you're still <clears throat> in sales for Gold's Gym. Not exactly. So if we go way back from mm-hmm. the age of 13, I grew up doing film, TV. I was a, I was an actor. So I was yeah, in you SAG. Part, <laughs> you looked the part. <laughs> I was in SAG at a very early age. I started doing musical theater downtown Chicago. Uh, and that's what brought me to LA. I went to USC. I continued to study that and film and TV. And then I just got very disenchanted with Hollywood. I'm sure you can imagine in a short amount of time. And I was kind of at a crossroads looking for what I wanted to do next. And I had a lot of different sort of lifetimes. I was doing real estate sales and obviously waiting tables and a lot of different things. And I started to go to Barry's as a client and Barry eventually noticed me and said, Hey, do you want to be a trainer? And that's where it all began. Where was that a quick yes or it was uh, an emphatic yes. It was an emphatic yes. yes. Oh, I don't want to wait yes. tables anymore. <laughs> I'll train people. How, how big? I mean, what were the sizes of the classes back then? Uh, we had about you mean like capacity? Yes, about thirty people. It was, it was was that the only berries at the time? It was. There was one in West Hollywood and one in Sherman Oaks. Okay. And what I loved about it, as in terms of being a fit for me, is we call them the enter trainers because at Berries, it's not just someone like blowing a whistle and yelling at you you're a dj you're an entertainer you're yeah. like on mic you're performing essentially so uh it was a quick learn for me and i i loved it right away yeah, it really set the model there was a, a group in newport called the 12 yeah that almost that ripped off barry's boot camp to like, like yeah one of the guys was from yeah Irvine, <laughs> barry's Irvine, yeah, yeah. yeah totally ripped it off and then they went and started their own thing because they they bought metrics which is the gym like, as I would drive by, it was this bodybuilder gym. I would drive by to my office when I'd stop there and work out. And then one day I trained to the 12. And we went in there, and it was like there was a room, and, the, like, the, the trainer was on stage, and there was a DJ. And I mean, it was like, holy hell. Like, they, these people are going to get it. So it was, yeah. We've, we have, I do have to say, been pretty incredible. I feel like our core competency has always been finding and developing superstars. Uh, and as a result of that, we've had trainers go on to found 
Precision Running by Equinox was one of my trainers. Rumble Fitness was one of my trainers. Uh, the founding trainers for Peloton. Like, we just developed talent best in class. Uh, and then they go on to do other things, which is great. You know, I always enjoy watching their uh, evolution. But it's fairly easy for us to find new talent and develop them again. That That is a unique organizational talent mm -hmm. in itself. I mean, yeah. hell, I wrote a book called The Talent One. We talked about like, one of the biggest indicators of a success of an organization is your alumni. I mm. mean, you look at the West Point. West Pointers are, you know, they'll tell you how great West Point is, but it is. I mean, those guys go on, those guys and gals go on to do great things. But like McKinsey, even if they're in venture capital, they'll always work in that they started with McKinsey. So what is it that you guys do differently that maturates that town? Is it the, the bar to even get into the organization or what's different once they do? Well, I think Barry's has really earned a great reputation among talent. So mm -hmm. I think a luckily a lot of people are attracted to us. So that makes recruiting easier. Our training programs are fairly robust. And then I'd say like in terms of retaining, you know, I'm, I still teach, like I'm teaching a class today in two hours, you know, so it's an instructor centric run organization. So it's always top of mind for us. So I think they feel very supported. I mean, it's just basically classic leading from the front. <laughs> you know, whereas if all of a sudden you get into a CEO position, you're like looking down from the ivory tower and it's like, I don't think you can run like a very good company that way. At least I've no. never been able to. I'm, I'm looking through this. I, you got to see this. It's just like there's not one bad looking person. Oh, yeah. On no, this they're team. like, this everybody's good looking. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, hey, Mike, you've got a voice for TV and a face for radio. No, <laughs> or what it is, is they just find like uh, young, aspiring, like good looking actors and models and like, do you want to be a fitness person? You seem like you have personality. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have different types of performers come to us yeah. often, whether it's dance or whatever. And, and those are people that tend to spend time on their body and you know, eat well and practice what they preach. They live with, yeah. Uh, people will see what people, or people will be what people can see. Um, now, you've moved to the ranks, and that, that is not a common story where somebody starts from the bottom and, and moves to the top. Was it because you had a sense of... I'm going to assume marketing, how to sell this, how to grow it. I mean, how did, where, where did the business-centric skills come that you've scaled this thing not only nationally but internationally? Yeah, so I think it was definitely um, – I tried to work every single role I could because I knew from the first day working at Barry's, I knew that that is what I wanted to do. And I knew I wanted to invest my own money, and I knew I wanted to become a partner and help scale the business. But I really wanted to understand the business because I didn't have – a degree, I didn't have an MBA, I didn't have any business doing it. So I learned as best I could, um, worked, you know, long, hard days for a long time for about five or six years before Barry and the partners finally said, okay, you can do this with us. It actually took me walking into a room and saying, look, I've been asking for years. The answer's always been no. I'm going to do this either alone or with you. So you have a choice and the choice is yours, but I need to know within the next like week. So by the end of the week, they were like, let's do it. And I already had a site in San Diego. And um, I think it was, I would say my top natural skill, the thing I was born with is building community. And that has helped internally and externally to develop this culture at Barry's that's really inclusive, that makes people feel good. Um, and that's still my favorite thing, right? I do that with my leadership team at the very top level. And we practice something called servant leadership, which I'm sure you're familiar with, but um, it's really just give, give me your definition because when you ask people that, you get some wildly different answers. And not to put you yeah, on the spot. But. No, I think it's, uh, if I had to define it in one sentence, it's 
acknowledging that your position of authority is a privilege and supporting people that report into you. I love that. I'm going to steal that. I'm a, I'm a plagiarist. <laughs> so anything you say, actually, we own the trademark too. So <laughs> podcast, so. Yeah, but but if you're admitting it, you're not really stealing. No, it. It, no yeah. I've said it publicly. It's a, yeah, you're like, oh, I'm totally going to take this, but I'm going to give you credit. So is it really stealing? <laughs> so will my face is voice. Yeah. <laughs> so when you stood the one up in San Diego, that was really where you cut your teeth. Of now, I'm a general yes. manager. Now I've got to show that I can yes. actually. That was the first time, and you know, I wasn't just a kid earning sweat equity. I was investing fifty percent of all the new studios. So. And luckily I had saved Was that painful at the time? From acting. It was, yeah, it was everything I had. Um, New York was the big moment though, because up until then we did like 12, 1400 square feet. There's like a toilet in the studio that everyone used. New York, I signed a lease for like almost 4,000 square feet. The, you know, rent was quadruple what I'd ever paid. I did locker rooms, showers, amenities programs, came up with the fuel bar, which is like our F&B experience. And so that was like an all in chips on the table. I took a, second mortgage out on my house and was like, if that had not worked, it would have been really, really bad. So you hear that I like cautionary tale to everyone. Don't take out a second mortgage unless you've got a good business plan and <laughs> because, you've proven I mean, the model before. Yeah. I was going to say for every, every like, well, you know, one of these, there's a hundred of like, man, I mortgaged everything and, it and I lost it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it I was going to open this smoothie bar. And like, <laughs> I mean, when you broke off from CrossFit football, you started power athlete. I mean, oh, was with, you, well, with CrossFit. Um, so, uh, you know, at the time when, CrossFit hit me up like I was the only sports-specific CrossFit, but I also owned a CrossFit gym. And uh, I hated the CrossFit gym model. I thought uh, this, like, group training model and the way it was set up, like, I just, like, like you know, you sit down with a spreadsheet, and you're like, I don't know how to make these numbers work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, like, for me, it was just, I couldn't, the, the amount of people that it would take to make that gym profitable was, like, way more in terms of management than I was willing to do. What so, city like, were you in? Uh, we were in Newport Beach. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we were in Newport and like the gym and like, if, if I could go back and redo it, I would have been in like a 15 to 18,000 or 1800 square foot place. I would have made a smaller, more boutique, more private training like that. Like just trying to run a big warehouse of 30 to 50 people on a, you know, $200 a month, come as much as you want was just like not profitable. We, we should, let me ask this. Do you know, you may know this, you may not. And I can, Will, stand by. What is the failure rate of CrossFit gyms? Um... That I don't know, but what they do pretty well is they usually get an owner-operator in there who teaches every class, mm-hmm. and they don't have business systems in this. Like, I, I think uh, they're trying to do, like, what Barry's was doing with less glitz and glamour and, like, a more gritty kind of deal. I just don't think that they had the business systems to do it. I think the CrossFit gyms today are much better, but you also have to really want to do it. And I, I was teaching seminars for CrossFit, so it was, like, just I, – I came to the realization I just wanted my own gym to train at with nice equipment that didn't have members that would break my stuff. So that as soon as I realized that, I just went and rented a little like warehouse, moved all my gym equipment, had power athlete with a little gym, and sold my gym. It was like the happiest I've ever been, because I just like it felt like putting out fires every day, which I'm sure is like you know like you got to really be into that. It sounds like you are. It's the really. definition of yeah. business is yeah, finding fires. solutions to problems. Yeah, but like I, I would like come <laughs> Isn't in. Isn't that life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but like I, I don't know. Like there's some I wanted to. I just yeah, the, the gym space is a really interesting one because it's also it's so trans. Um, like, uh, what's the word, like transactional, where mm-hmm. like, you know, as a coach or a trainer, you invest in these people, and then they come in, they're like, I'm not going to come this month. And you're like, why? You're doing great. Uh, and you're like, I invested so much time in you, and you just walked away from this thing. Like, you're, uh, it just was really weird for me. Well, let me ask this. So, 
with CrossFit, all you have to do is be a certain level, right? You got to go to a weekend seminar and technically you're. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, um, I just have a really like interesting point of view of this thing. Like, I think you have to find the right type of people. And, uh, like, I think what's interesting with the Barry stuff, like versus like the 12. And I looked at all these different models on it. Like you need something that builds community, something that's yes. fun that people can come in with even like a low level of like training experience and can have a great experience. Mm -hmm. Like if, if I had to teach somebody like really technical Olympic lifting for you to execute it, like the barrier to entry is really hard. What I liked about berries and some of the other kind of boot camps And like when I looked at like, and I, I saw the 12 and I think that's how I worked backwards. I was like, dude, this is looks like one. It looks like fun. People are having a great time and a low barrier to entrance. Like you don't have to be a phenomenal athlete to go in there and get a great workout. Yeah. And they were great. It was fun. Like the, the coaches were entertaining uh, they talked about nutrition. I mean, like there was just a lot of like good sticky points that I looked at and I was like, man, this is really well run. Well, let me ask you this. So me, Mike's really want to open a, a berries in Austin. I just can't come off the street. I've, is there, there's some sort of, Oh, we don't franchise in the U S Interesting. we're all corporately owned and operated. Has it ever been franchised? It was actually, it was, it was, uh, we sold a few, uh, gosh, 2010, 2011. Mm -hmm. And that was part of my hundred day plan. CEO was going back and buying San Francisco, Boston, and Nashville Bash. immediately. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and we, we had, had great standard. operators, okay. actually. It just, by that point in time, Barry's, we had rebranded and really moved into the premium positioning, um, always being sort of the most expensive option in whatever city or trade area we were in. And the more premium a brand is, the more control you need over it. And Barry's always had this incredible brand equity. Even when we had 10 studios, people would be like, I was in Cape Town and saw someone wearing your tank and ran up to the, you know, it was like this thing that's hard to do as a brand, you know? And you what's really the demographic? Like, like what's your, <clears throat> your, your sweet spot, your target demographic? Like what's your ideal customer? It's changed so much. It used to be, uh, back in the day, it was like very elite athletes from, I'd say 25 to 40. Mm. Um, now our average client is 32 years old but we are all over, depending on the neighborhood. If you look at the demo psychographics per studio, Roslyn, Long Island is going to look very different than Chelsea, New York City. Sure, you know? sure. So we serve different clientele in different places, uh, and we do have to be aware of the programming then that takes place in the class because it changes, right? I, used, I remember when I used to teach classes in West Hollywood, they would be very different than when I drove into the Valley in Sherman Oaks and taught a class there. So, so and this goes to a point because, it, you know, with CrossFit, what it used to be the clown vomiting, was like the oh, Rabdo, yeah, um, yeah, Rabdo the Rab clown. Yeah. So I, they, hey, that's they great. They did so much good, but yeah, like it did so good to get people like introduced to fitness, but they did so much wrong that I would it, look at. And then like, we used to say within the SEAL community, we're like CrossFit was the killer of like of more SEALs than combat. Uh, yeah. Not yeah, yeah, literally, but like guys that were tearing well, ACLs well, constantly. But, but here's the problem: like if you if, if the training is so severe that your client implodes, you know what they do. They don't come back and they don't continue to pay. Yeah. So, like, I remember being like, you know, we got into like owning the gym, and I remember being like, dude, like, I almost felt like protective for our people and like protect these people because if they're if they're healthy and happy, they're going to come. If they're fucking destroyed, they're not coming. And like, I think they're like you said, the first thing was great was community. Like, you have yeah. to build a community. People aren't just going to show up. And I, I like even I'm sure you go to a commercial gym, you see people walking around with their headphones all the time, not talking to anybody, and you're like, this is so weird. Yeah. Like they don't want community. They're like these like little solo pod kind of individuals. And uh, like, I want to lift weights with my friends and have a good time. Like I, I don't want to go just by myself. 
I, I'm all about that. But when I do go to a Gold's, it's headphones on. And I, I want a shirt that says, I'm working out. Don't bother me. Uh, I'm more than happy to talk to people because I'm constantly like amazed at the shit people are doing. Like if you go to a, a commercial gym, I've seen shit that I've never, I mean, I've been lifting weights a long time. I'll see people do things. I'm like, didn't even know you could use that machine. And I'll ask them, like, what are you doing? Have you and seen the, some of those like TikTok yeah, videos? They're great. They're insane. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're, we're like, uh, they're like doing stuff like this with yeah. the cables. And you and see people are like, or, or the girls that like set it up and like some guy like walks over and glances and then they try to like, like, uh, uh totally roast the dude. And I'm like, you are training in your underwear. Like, uh, like I would be terrible. Like I'd walk by and be like, "This girl's in her underwear. She's yeah. wearing a bra when she's training." Like, and then they're like trying to shame these dudes. I'm like, "You're in your underwear." <laughs> like, as a human, how could you not look at that? So, for the average listener who's never been exposed to to, to berries, and I think this is probably what we're most interested in, is talk about the methodology, about the programming, about you know how you're going to take somebody from, let's say, subpar health to to make them feel the very best they've ever felt. Yeah. So. I think it helps to lay the foundation mm -hmm. and say berries is half cardiovascular and half strength training, and you go back and forth. Uh, and the original concept is treadmills. We now have a strength training only concept. We have a, a ride concept, which is bikes and strength, but I'll just talk about our core product. Um, you do runs that are not meant to be long endurance. They're shorter with a lot of recoveries. You're given beginner, intermediate, and advanced speeds, but a lot of beginners can't quite get the beginner version and a lot of advance are way beyond. So that's another thing we sort of voice over in class. Like you do you, you know, we're just glad you showed up. And then on the floor, depending on the day, you're working different muscle groups. So Mondays, arms and abs, Tuesdays, lower body focus, Wednesdays, chest back. So you're kind of rotating through all the different body parts ending in like full bodies on the weekends. And you go back and forth. And I think uh, one of the things that differentiates berries when I look at a very competitive landscape now in 2023 is it's really the only hit concept that combines strength and cardio in a very immersive experience. So instead of having like music be the background and your trainer giving you the workouts that you're supposed to do and you chatting with, it's very much like you are sprinting to the beat drops. You're having these amazing hero moments while they're sprinting to like the best part of the song. You're doing burpees and you're all doing it together with 30 seconds with the same recovery. So you're on this journey together and while it is you know meant to be a place for you to connect berries is also one of those places that appeals to people who don't love to work out with other people because it's very dimly lit and everywhere you go you're not watching your instructor on a stage you're actually looking at you every space treadmill or floor is right in front of a mirror and you're watching you your form it's like a you versus you moment interesting so well, that <clears throat> the, the fact that i mean you've have you ever burned out working out if I ever what? Burnt out. What do you mean? Where you just needed to take like two weeks off? Uh, yeah, I call End that. End of season? I, I call that life. Life. <laughs> like all of a sudden, like, I mean, because people are like, oh, I planned uh, uh, deloads. Or, I'm like, no, you just go on vacation. Or my wife's like, uh, we have to go somewhere. And I'm like, uh, I just figured that was travel. Like I just got doing a bunch of travel and I missed a bunch of workouts. And I'm like, oh, that was my deload. I figured life throws you deloads. But uh, maybe for other people that are just like, I go six days a week. Ugh. I don't know. That's all, I mean, it's kind of um, the the thing which was wild about the the twelve that I went to because I've never actually been to a Barry's. It looked like a rave. Yeah, it, it's like the only thing I like went to because I used to work security in San Francisco for uh, for legs uh, or sorry raves like South of Market, all those clubs in San Francisco, and it looked like the raves. So I Barry, was like, I was like, this was like ten fifteen Folsom release party. Barry you know, was a party Francisco. boy, and he got sober, 
And so That's he awesome. wanted a place that felt like the nightclub for people to still be, he could still be a part of it and connected to people in that way. And that's why he did this beautiful, like dark red lighting and incredible sound system. So in his mind, it was a nightclub. He just happened to be working out. Makes sense. I mean, if you can add the fun component, I mean, I, I get up in the morning, I go lift at, at Gold's. Um, I had to move out of Lifetime because that, that was just getting outrageous. Why it was wrong? Downtown. It was like 200, uh, 200 bucks a month. They don't even have a pool. You're not going to do it. But I mean, I wouldn't say like I'm having fun. I mean, there's, I'm, I'm going through my workout. I do enjoy that, but it's not a fun component. It's just the discipline of getting it done. It sounds yeah. like you guys are trying to create an environment where people like get up and they're excited to come in the morning or, yeah. or after work. And I won't downplay. It is challenging. Oh, yeah. yeah like I have you, no doubt. You'll take a class and you'll know you would have never done that on your own. That's why you're there because you know someone's going to push you really hard and there's so much accountability. <clears throat> In terms of injury, I, I mean, with the programming, you guys are very cautious uh, of that. Yeah, we have – our movements are much different than mm -hmm. like what you'd see at a CrossFit. So we don't have very many injuries. And a lot of our clients have been doing this for – you know, I've been doing berries four or five times a week for tw almost 20 years now. Can you believe it? I'm 70. I look great. I was going to say, I can't believe you. <laughs> the best promotion ever. <laughs> I was like, wow, this dude's in his 70s? Like, <laughs> Fuck. Fuck you. Tall, dark, and handsome. That's uh, what people go to work out. Dude, I was going to say, my mom. Uh, my mom's 84. Uh -huh. And so my dad passed away a couple years ago. And she's like, do you know how bad 80-year-old men look? Because my mom's super fit. She walks like 13,000 steps a day. She's got a puppy. Like, people think she's in her 60s. And uh, I was like, no. She's like, oh, it's awful. And she's like, you know how bad 70-year-old men look? They fucking look awful. So my mom is like, uh -huh. this complaint where she's like, Maybe I'd like to go out with somebody, but who do I date? I'm not going out with an 80-year-old. They look awful. And I always wondered that. Like, when I'm that age, am I going to look at people my age and be like, God, they look so old? Or do they just look like me and I don't think that? No. So so this is really fascinating. Depends how you age. Uh, well, there was a... You guys are getting really judgy right now. That's all right. I'm, I'm, joking, I'm, I'm fucking I'm just being honest. I'm joking. Well, there was an evolutionary biologist named Michael Ross. Or, no, Michael Rose who's at UC Irvine, he gave an incredible talk and he's probably one of the foremost experts in the world on like anti, on like aging and anti-aging. But like in evolutionary biology, there's like pre and post Michael Rose. That's how they look at it. And he gave this amazing talk at the Ancestral Health Symposium on uh, fruit flies. And I won't bore you with all this. But as he's giving this talk, all of a sudden he mentions that he got his PhD in 1959. And I'm like doing the math and I'm oh. like, like jump on the computer. I'm like, how old is this dude? He was in his 70s. I thought he was in his 40s. So now, and anything he says coming out of his mouth, I believe. But he, he made a good point where he said that the reason that women don't age as fast or age much slower than men is women tend to take care of themselves. Like they tend to color their hair or, you know, Botox or get if something's on their face, they cut it, they wear makeup, they, they dress more youthful. And your perception of yourself is your greatest enemy or ally in aging. If you look in the mirror and you're like, I'm fat and old and I look like shit and I got this gray beard and I look like crap, your body will age you much faster. Women trying to stay youthful Tend oh, to age it? much. I'm slower. set then. I was going to say, <laughs> like, I, I, I was like, uh, it, 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 like that model to me is like, a, you know, night and day for my mom. Like, my mom dresses young. She drives like a, a, you know, young car. She got a puppy. She walks. She does all these things, and people think what, she's in what's her Instagram. My mom. Yeah. She she doesn't like social media, but I'll send it to her. But like, she's super fit, and she's 84, and like, she doesn't like. She even went to the doctor, and the doctor's like, I think this like shit's wrong, and. It's just one of the facts that, like, for the most part, men do not take care of themselves, you know? But I think the, the one, I have a total respect for women and the fact that the routine they go through, 
takes my wife, what, 30 to 45 minutes before she even goes to the gym. She looks freaking good. Yeah. And then at night, the, the end of night routine, yeah. where she's just like, if you just use this, what is it, like mycicillin uh, on, on your face, followed by a toner, you'll be completely different. Like, I did it for a week, and I'm like, yeah, no, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Well, but, I mean, like, like even my daughters are, uh, my daughters are almost 12. I have twin girls. And uh, they have, like, my one daughter has this, like, whole, like, hair care routine thing that she does before bed. And she was taking it through it because my other daughter, like, won't do any of it. So she, like, forces her to do it. And it's hilarious to listen to them battle about, you didn't do the hair care routine. Oh and I'm like, uh, you know, but, like, I don't know. I mean, it's it's probably, like, uh, but Michael Rose's deal about, like, take care of yourself. Like, if, if you got a big gray beard or you're out of shape this, like, stay stay in shape, stay young. Like, don't let yourself. Because you hear guys all the time, like, oh, I'm so old. And you're like, well, you just convince yourself you stay aged 10 years. Yeah. So that that piece of just listening to Michael Rose talk and like looking at him and being like like if you Google him Michael Rose PhD uh, AHS whatever it is you'll be blown away like he he's got to be in his seventies I mean fifty nine like at that point I was like I'm in okay this That's makes crazy. total sense to me so have you guys watched this uh, Live to One Hundred uh, Secrets of the Blue it. Zones a Netflix thing oh yeah. you I watched it I don't know if I buy it bro we we, we binged out on it this weekend you know, I. I well, here's what, my, what don't you believe? Uh, John? I I don't like that they're pushing just a purely plant blade a plant based. Yeah, that part that's that's yeah, very gosh. Arnold Schwarzenegger like. Uh, I'm not over. watching anymore. No, no, no so <laughs> it goes beyond dude, that, it's, dude. I I and, and I don't know if you've seen this, but like you're of Cuban heritage, mm-hmm. but I have seen. What so does I, that mean? Uh, Cubans like to cook and like to eat, right? There's I've never met a vegan Cuban, <laughs> right? Uh, especially living in Miami, we used to go to all these bitching Cuban places, and they can eat. Well, my mom's from Italy, so that's oh, even, even worse. Even worse. Okay, there you but, go. but what's crazy you get the best is, both teams, <laughs> is I've met people through the years that were like uh, vegans that had been like vegans for 20 or 30 years. Dude, they might as well look 400 years old. Yeah. Like like I've seen, and especially like the people that uh, eat like, uh, you know, obviously, you know, but like even in Italy I and mean, in these other countries, you meet these people and like when you see the vegan people, they look old and You frail. have to be very careful. Most of the people I know get very sinewy, dry skin. Yeah. yeah they start to look terrible and not healthy i'm sure because then you see all those people on instagram that are like totally ripped and they've been yeah. eating that way for years it, you just must have to be really careful with your protein intake yeah, yeah sure they keep their protein they also take a bunch of drugs which they, yeah. they also take a bunch exactly. of drugs They're like oh i'm a vegan but yeah i'm <laughs> pumping all this testosterone from my body but I, I like i've seen pictures of like you know like like the vegan thing like makes people look like they dry out. They look like raisins. It like doesn't look good as they age. And so what kills me with this, uh, um, when I would look at the blue zones, they push this plant based. But when you look at it, like yeah, they like the Okinawa. It's like oh, they're plant based. I'm like I eat a bunch of sweet potatoes. I eat a lot of fish. Yes. So like all of these places, and then in like Turkey and Greece and Sardinia, like are you telling me that the in Sardinia they live on a plant based diet? Like no, no, they don't. No, no, hundred percent. They don't. Plenty of. Uh... Of goat. Yeah, goat, yeah. Uh, a lot of cheese and dairy and fish and meat and everything. So Very like, keto. Yeah. But what I did find, I, th- I think if you have time to watch it, yeah. you'll appreciate that one of the things I found in the common thread was the amount that people walk, the amount that people are active. And they have communities. Like yeah. communities. You've, you've hit on this one big yeah. time. Yeah, dude, community, uh, the reason that men, um, like the, the suicide rates of men over the age of 30 to 50 is like nine times higher than any other group. And the reason doing it is because guys tend to be like solo lone wolves and then they, you know, they, they feel lonely that they do shitty at having communities and they end up killing themselves. Well, it gives you purpose to live, people yeah. to live for, things to look forward to. I mean, what's well, things to that? share with people. Yeah. And then, uh, the best. Um, you know, my favorite restaurant in the world's in Miami, uh, Prime 112. Oh, really? Yeah. It's my favorite I think steak. I've been there. Where is it? It's in South Beach. Okay. I don't really eat steaks. So. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah, that's like my favorite <laughs> play, favorite place. They, they have the most amazing steak to the point where I actually went in the back and asked them how they made it. And they have these little ovens. You ever seen those where they cook the steaks like 1,500 yes. degrees? Yes. Wow. I look at them all the time and I'm like, God, can I spend two grand on that thing? All right, let me get it. My, my wife and I went and we, we had our cheat meal, which was uh, sushi this weekend. That's a cheat meal. It's, it was a cheat meal. Um, well, what's but, a non-cheat meal? Like hamburgers? Uh, no, crumble. Have you had crumble? Crumble, oh, crumble cookies are... Yeah, I, are, I know what they are. are. It's yeah, it's like an institution around here. Yeah, like, like oh. my wife, they're they're like these five dollar cookies. That they're like, national. They might have like seven hundred calories per cookie because they're so calorically dense. Like my wife will get them for the kids and they cut them into four pieces. And if you have one piece, you're like, that might be the most calorically dense thing I've ever eaten. Mm. Wow. But I mean, the cookies are soft. They're, they're just well done. They change the menu every uh, every every week. Of course, they don't do it on Sunday. It's uh, I think based out of Utah or the headquartered out of Utah, very uh, Christian based, but. She asked a question. She said, if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, like, is it steak? Is it sushi? Is it Italian? I'm like, oh, it's, I, I thought I was going to say steak. I, I love a good steak, but could you eat steak every freaking meal? At least with sushi, you can mix it up. Yeah, I could, I could eat a steak every meal for the rest of my life, but I could also eat sushi every day for the yeah, rest I of my life. Yeah, I love sushi so much. It, yeah, it's the best. Yeah, but are you a sashimi guy or are you also, you mix Both. it up with rolls? I, I like hand rolls. They hand look rolls? like, like yeah. uh, what I call uh, sushi ice cream cones. I just don't know why they bring them. I just like the cone and the just the best, the crunch on the outside. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. yeah with that. Uh, Nobu's in Miami. God, man, there's so many good spots. I love living in Miami mm-hmm. until I realized that nobody worked and everybody stayed out all day, and there was no way I was going to be able to make it back in the NFL if I hung out in Miami all day. That's the best change that's happened in Miami. It's like I always we got married there. I would go back to Miami all the time. I grew up. Going to Miami over the summer, and I just I would never live here. It's so transient. Everyone parties. No yeah. one really owns it. And after COVID, you know, the Bay Area, New York, everyone moved there. So there's a really close knit community now. Oh, nice. A lot of parents, people looking. It also gave us as we moved in this great opportunity to like meet people really easily because everybody was had an appetite for community. So uh-huh. everyone was kind of there for the same reason. They were on the same page and open to like making great friendships. So now Miami's totally different. Wow. Where, where, where in Miami do you live? Uh, I live in an area called North Bay Island, mm-hmm. which is my kids go to school in the shores and mm-hmm. my parents on the beach. So it's like right off the causeway in the middle. It's like Good. 10 minutes to each. Dude, Miami is a, is a, is a great place. I, I just, I don't know if I can live there. Like, well, like, cause we, we party hard when we go there. It's like, it's like yeah. Vegas. Yeah. It's like you the, live here, right? Yeah, we both yeah. do. Yeah. Oh, because when I come here, I am drinking alcohol from the moment I land until I leave. So every time people from here, <laughs> two hours like, before you exactly. <laughs> I've already had three drinks this morning. No, I'm just kidding. Dude, no, I, uh, good on you. <laughs> this I, week will be different, but I'm just saying, like the way you are as a tourist in a place yeah. is very. All my yes. friends come to Miami. They're like, "How do you live here?" I'm like, "I've been." What? Yeah. I've been going to work every day while you've been out till four in the morning. Yeah. But it's but Vegas, there is something about Vegas. Like I could never live in Vegas. Uh, no. My deal in Vegas is twenty four hours. Any longer than twenty four hours I don't want to be there. You, I'm like one night only. Forty seals, two weeks. In Vegas? In Vegas. Oh, no, somebody God. would die. It was the quietest C one thirty ride home. Everybody's ever. like wow. everyone's looking at each other like, I know what you did. I know what you did, so don't, yeah. yeah. But again, if you live in Henderson, yeah. is it Henderson? It, I believe so. It, any of those places, you don't go to the Strip. You know what I mean? Just like if you live in Miami, you don't go to South Beach really ever. Uh, no. I don't know. I don't know if I could put up with 110 plus degrees for, for an entire summer. Here? We've had the hottest summer 
in it's, a long it's time. It's been like 104 for like 70 yeah. days. Wild. It's it's awful. I mean, at least Miami, like there's sun, there's beach, whatever. It's here, it's just hot. It the winters are like the winters are great there. Yeah, I loved yeah. it. No, I, I I loved Miami. I thought it was uh, it was great. I just uh, yeah, I just remember I was at uh, remember space, of course. Yeah, I know you know space, but like we were at space and like I saw the sun come up and like I got like a reflection off of some girls like sunglasses and I was like, what am I doing with my life? And I think I just walked out and went home <laughs> and like went back to Tampa and like t- never went back to <laughs> South Beach. <laughs> It makes sense. Yeah. You know, a you lot have this, of other like, people have yeah, that. You have this like weird existential moment where you saw the sun come up and I'm like, what is wrong with me? I need to go. And that was it. So you strike me as a guy who's not a status quo guy. And you did say earlier that the landscape is becoming increasingly competitive. What are you, what, what, what's Barry's going to be doing different going forward? I know the model's working, but we all also know if you, you stick with that, it, it begins to, to, to degrade. Yep. Where, where, where are you hoping over the next sort of three to five years, you're, you're going to take berries and, and change things up. So I think it's really important to uh, look at your business almost like a castle and try to envision what exists in your moat, if anything. And so I've made a list of like what we do differently and what we do better, I believe, than any of our competitors. And I'm just constantly spending time investing in those things. That's why I'm here actually in Austin. We have a talent summit. And the whole reason we're here and you know, 40 of our top instructors are here is to one-up the way that we're doing things and to ensure that those moments I talked about earlier, those hero moments, those beat drops, they're happening in every single class. Um, we do the same thing operationally, right? So we're, we're constantly innovating, coming up with now, if you take berries for the first time, you have a handwritten note waiting for you on your treadmill or on your bench. Huge. So trying to step up hospitality, do all the things I think we're doing well, but much better. Uh, and in terms of what's next, uh, I think I mentioned the modalities that we've tested mm-hmm. recently. So mm-hmm. we have Barry's Lift, which is very popular. It's actually the most highly utilized concept we have. So it sells out constantly. It's just 50 minutes of weightlifting. Uh, and then Barry's Ride, which we just uh, piloted in Chelsea and we're opening shortly in West Hollywood. So continued ex- expansion of the brand, both domestically and globally, of our core product. But now what I really love is the extension of the brand into new ideas and new modalities. I mean, you must watch these, these other companies. I mean, even 24, four hour fitness lifetime golds, they know that their models are dwindling and they're, they're replicating what you guys are doing. Mm -hmm. Is it, you know, you just sort of believe that, yeah, we're just, they're, they're never going to be able to reach the standard for performance on anything we do, or, or does that force you to innovate as well? You're saying whether or not I see big box gyms replicating what you got. Well, what they do too, is they do too much. So what I like about Berries is they're uh, they know who uh, they are. well they're true to their core beliefs yeah. and they do something it's very boutique and it's very specific like they're not all of a sudden trying to train power lifters in this they they do what they do and they do it well yeah. whereas you go to Gold's Gym and it's like oh you got a cardio burn class you got this you have like four hundred different things and I'm like how do you do four hundred things well you don't you just do a whole lot of things average and mediocre and hope to God that people pay for the membership and never show up like I, I'd be curious to know what uh, like you know. Uh, Barry's actual like um, you know hey if we have a thousand paying members like what's like the weekly show up like how many people are showing up is it 80 percent well we operate a little differently because we're not a membership based business it's really like packages that people purchase so we do track churn to the extent that we can but we really look at um, how often and frequently people are coming and it's anywhere between two to three times a week and then with the classes, like, what's the percentage of, uh, I mean, are 100% of the classes sold out? Or, like, what's, like, the kind of the, the market? Sort of depends, again, on the studio. We have some, you know, suburban studios or secondary city studios that 
you know, utilization is somewhere between 50 to 60%. And then we have other studios in urban dense markets that were, you know, 85 plus. Sure. So uh, we have a, a studio in Chelsea, New York City, where we see over 700 people a day, wow. which is wild yeah. to maintain a facility, seeing that many people. I've, I've never heard of that model, the uh, the packages. Oh, it's genius. That's, that's interesting. No, I mean, it's it, it's so smart. It's just like, hey, I buy 10 and then they come 10 and you sell them another 10. I mean, it's great. Such a smart model opposed from some like recurring revenue kind of like uh, membership deal. And then it's like, how many times do you come? It just feels complicated. It's like. You certainly maximize your paid rate. So, but the challenges, which we've learned over the last couple of years as we've moved into sort of secondary markets is that model doesn't work everywhere, especially markets where we're going in. And, you know, the orange theories of the world have already trained people. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to pay bare minimum membership only. Yeah. So we have some markets where we are membership first. And it's probably 80 plus percent of our. But that's got to be great for your coaches or your trainers or whatever. I'm, I'm assuming um, the people that are leading the classes. You can probably track like, hey, these, you know, these people have a 10 pack and everybody's spending it on these people. You can kind of track and almost and be like, okay, this is our superstar. We need to like find more of these people, and maybe this guy's not producing as well. Well, I was going to say it's also like skin in the game. It's like yoga. When I buy a ten yoga session package, I'm utilizing each of those ten sessions. Yeah, like yeah. I'm tracking those with a membership. I mean, yeah. you see it. People are like, yeah, I came. I just took all well, last month off. Well, so like when I sat down and uh, I remember um, I got asked to uh, through, through the NFL, they had like this big summit on gyms. And they asked me to sit on a panel and talk about because I don't to jam it up, but it was like a micro gym and they had all these cool people. Uh, and the big box gyms, their entire deal is we hope to get people aren't showing up. It's so, called Turnum and Burnham. Yeah. That's how so, I learned how so, to sell memberships. So Gold's Gym functions in like a 3 to 5% show up rate. So like let's say they have uh, 100,000 memberships sold. <laughs> like as long as 3 to 5 people show up, they're okay. If everybody shows up, they're out of business. So they're praying that people won't show up. That was like the whole deal with um, what's psychology. Like the, no, what's the one the one gym where they like don't want the gunk alarm? Um, oh, I hate plan, that place. Plan, Planet Fitness. Planet Fitness. So they figured out that if they could get people in for free pizza, like all of those things, like our, our retention initiatives, like well, I, I didn't come to the gym, but they're giving free pizza, so I'll stay. That was one of the biggest hurdles for big box gyms uh, in terms of revenue coming out of the pandemic. Is I think depending on the gym, it's like 15 to 20%, sometimes more of their revenue is actually people that don't show up. And they lost all that revenue during the pandemic because people just canceled all their memberships to gyms. They thought about it. It was top of mind for them. So coming out of COVID, they have to like quickly recollect, but it's hard to do that. People that aren't going to show up. Imagine losing. They're they're not going to go back up and show up and give you your money back. Planet Fitness, was that formed off of the concept of robo-gym? No, no, the entire concept, it's uh, like, like they worked backwards. So like, okay, we need X amount of people. How do we get them? Or how do we get the people to pay? Like, it, it, it's a pretty fascinating case study. But like the whole thing where they kept pizza parties and give away free food and stuff, they figured like, well, as long as they're paying, like they won't quit if we give them some free stuff. And like, what's pizza cost? Like a nickel to make? It's, it's really, it's really, it's, it, it, it's totally messed up. Whenever says, whenever we travel, somebody's like, well, there's a planet fitness down the road. I'm like, I don't know. I won't do nah. it. I won't go. I'm like, I'll go to the YMCA where the, the, the wits are rusty. And yeah. you get tetanus. Some YMCAs, yeah. there's one in yeah. Charlotte. Oh, they're so are. nice. Yeah. I've been to some nice Whoa. YMCAs. And there's some that you walk in, you're like, oh, you guys need to clean this place. Yeah. yeah. Bad. Well, you touched on something. I think that's key in how you think about boutique fitness, which is our business dies if people don't come, right? Because- Obviously, it's deferred revenue, and that's one way you can look at it, but they're not going to buy another 10-pack, and that's how they churn, right? They don't buy their packages. They don't show up. So 
businesses like mine invest in clients, in the relationship, in celebrating like milestones. If you're doing your 10th or 50th class of berries, you show up, the light board says your name, the instructor's cheering you on, you're taking pictures at the end. So you've seen those obviously all over social. So you really are invested in your client and you know this because you owned one yourself and you want to see them continue on, obviously financially, but also personally. I mean, you were saying you were Took it personally. Oh my God. I, I, well, like you invest in these people and yeah. you're like, and they're, they're making progress and they're like, I'm just not going to come next month. And you're like, I can't I believe I'm, I'm this fucking invested <laughs> yeah. in this relationship and you don't want to hang out with me. Yeah. Oh, it, it just, uh, and that's when I knew I shouldn't be in the gym business. I was way better to educate coaches and do what I do on my side than actually deal with end users. Because like you get to the point where you are so invested in these people that like when they like don't do well or this, you're like kind of living and dying. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not cut out for this. Well, do you both have built followings, strong followings. Again, using the big box uh, gyms, you never see people post about going to 24-hour fitness or lifetime mm-hmm. or golds. I mean, you guys have built, I don't want to say a cult, but you've built, uh, you know, I'm, I, make, I make Kool-Aid every single day, as I'm sure you, you do. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm not mad. Believe me, I'll stir that <laughs> stuff. As long as the Kool-Aid is making people better and not killing them, I'm happy to give it to them. And I've been drinking the Kool-Aid for 20 <laughs> years. <laughs> And, and he's really, 70 and he looks great. Yeah, so seriously. obviously that Kool-Aid's a fountain hey, of youth. You, you, the term company man, you know, we usually use that in a derogatory. No, it, like to believe in something is great. To, to believe in the company to the point where it's part of your DNA. Mm-hmm. I actually think that's, uh, if somebody called me a company man, they didn't mean it as a uh, compliment. I'm like, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. Well, Joey, um, thanks for coming in. I think what we need to do uh, is you need to get some guys like Victor and, and yourself. And, oh, and, and we yeah. all need to go down. And That'd do be so fun. I yeah. guarantee it's going to push parts of us that are. Oh like, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's tough. Um, my wife would be perfect for it. She would bring her. Could, yeah, she'll slay it. So you what? live here in Austin. Yeah, yeah. You go yeah. back to Newport a lot or no? Uh, yeah. Um, okay. My mom and my brothers all live right uh, in like okay. the Back Bay because we're so. opening uh, Fashion Island. Are you there in a few months? So okay. Yeah. No, we. Uh, I, I don't know if you know. Well, you said you did, but I, I used to live down by the wedge. Oh, okay. And then I yeah, lived yeah. in the Cannery Lofts. Ah. And then when we had kids, we moved up uh, like into that like uh, into the Back Bay kind of like um, Dover Shores area. That's awesome. My so, kids were at camp there all month. Yep. And then we had a dude in a map like Lamborghini pull up and buy my home in cash. Wow. Dude, this guy, like, literally, I, I was sitting, like, on, at, at my table like this, and there's a window. We could see the front. And I see this dude, like, map black Lamborghini convertible. The dude gets out wearing, like, black jeans, V-neck black, dog tags, uh, sunglasses. And then he goes and he gets his, uh, his girl out of the car. She's wearing a yellow, like, jumpsuit with, like, um, uh, like leopard skin pumps and a leopard skin, uh, like, uh, like fur jacket. And I like see him get out of the car and they start walking up and I yell at my wife. I'm like, honey, there's weirdos outside. And the dude literally knocked on her door and he's like, oh, you know, we had this bitch in like one story, sixties, Brady Bunch, mid-century home. And the guy's like, we want, you know, this is my, um, butch. This is, and I swear, I think he said his girl's name was candy. Um, and we want to buy a sixties mid-century home. We want to buy yours. And I was like, uh, like our home wasn't for sale. And the dude basically like gave a realtor called me and the guy offered us a million bucks more than what we paid. Wow. And we were gone awesome. 30 days later, went into a rental and then bought our ranch here and moved out here. Uh, and that was the end of 16. So this is pre Joe Rogan before Austin exploded. Wow. And now yeah, COVID changed. Everything. Oh my God. Joe Rogan is everything like the housing like, market. Austin should name Joe Rogan, the world's greatest realtor. Yeah. Because him and Elon. Oh my Elon God. Would say, yeah. Well, dude, it was Joe Rogan's podcast. So my great Austin is, and like a million people moved here for that very reason. Yeah. So there was a running yeah. joke where it said it was an Oklahoma welcome to Oklahoma sign, but they put a welcome to Texas over <laughs> it uh, for the Californians moving over. Yeah. Um, well, Joey, man, um, 
congrats, 50 locations within the nation. Another, you said how many internationally? We're 84. 84 total. So uh, I think for the listeners, hey, if you need to mix things up or you've been, you've taken a longer break than necessary, visit a Berry Boot Camp. Uh, go to the website, look it up. Uh, you can find Joey Gonzalez at Joey Gonzalez on Instagram. God damn, dude, you, you need to submit yourself for fittest CEO uh, in the United <laughs> States. I'm looking at these pictures and my wife would be like, yeah, you're, she'd be like, you, you need to do, you need to do some work. Um, we also have shameless bug Barry's X, which is our app to work out with us online. Cause we aren't in every city in the U S no so kidding. We do and just what, what, is, what does somebody need at home? In terms of a couple um, weights, I mean, we have yeah. You need a couple weights. You could do just weight only classes. We have treadmill only. We have a mix of the two. Yeah, smart, yeah. smart. Good. Well, Good dude, thanks for coming in. Um, Thank you. It's great. Good luck with the talent summit. That's awesome Thank that you guys are actually doing that. Yeah. Uh, I've not heard that within the fitness uh, community and safe travels back to. Uh, I imagine it taking place at like a pool party like, with a lot of drinks and music. And <laughs> they're like, our talent summit at a pool yeah, party. I know. Where's my invitation, dude? <laughs> of course, uh, I can bring my wife. Yeah. So. Um, She'd, she'd be right in the mix. I know. She got a great be, tan. I, uh, she, she got a great tan. Every time I see her, she's so tan. My wife? Yeah. 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 She got a good tan. Why are you looking at my wife? Dad? Because, like, when I saw her, like, I noticed these things that, like, people have good tans. Your wife had a good tan. Thank you. I appreciate that. Which, which she means, would appreciate she, that. She means that means she leaves or lives a life of leisure if she's that tan. I, 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 she works her ass off. She does. And, like, she is, she's gone through a transformation. I mean, she looks good. I, that's why I can't go to Lifetime too, is because all the dudes come up and it's just like, oh, <laughs> fucking Christ, no. Okay. Well, guys, uh, thanks for joining us. Again, Joey Gonzalez, thanks for uh, joining us. Well, Thank John, you. I'll see you again, dude. Yeah, that's all fine. Right. It's good. We're out here. Thanks for having me. <laughs>